Dean Yoder is our speaker today. He refers to Hebrews as his text for this message. The kingdom of God is the final frontier, where anything is possible. This is Awaken Online, a virtual library of the Sunday morning messages at Awaken Church in McMinnville, Oregon. Um, so being causal, let's just, you know, um, like I said, if you spell it wrong, or maybe I didn't say, you could think I was trying to say, let's be casual. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not trying to be casual. I, I spelled it wrong this morning. That's why I know I was like reading through my notes. I'm like, no, I don't want to say just be, well, I don't mind being casual, but um, being causal. And it was, it was a concept or an idea I was exposed to a few weeks away that tied into what I felt like the Lord was speaking to me while I was out and about um, doing the fun things or trying to, you know, get away and, and enjoy life and get back in touch with myself a little bit. Anytime that I can get, um, like, south and east of the Dalles, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> like, some, some people don't like brown, and I don't know why. I, like, I mean, I like green, but, like, I, I don't mind the brown hills. I don't mind the big, uh, big rolling hills. And I was in this place where I could, I was, I was south, mostly south of the Dallas, staying at someone's house, but I could get up, and I could, you know, see the wheat fields, and I could see the transitions between Mount Hood and, uh, and the range, uh, the Cascade Range, and the and the foothills, and, and you just see a long ways. And that's kind of why I like it when I get over there. Is I can just see a long ways. And it, well, there was one place one morning that I went to, and I think I told, um, yeah, there we go. And so there was one place that I could sit right here, and it was on the edge of the road. I could have my pickup parked. It had a pullout. I could have the windows rolled down, and I had um, worship music playing, and I had a book, and they had a bench right there. It was a little, You know how they have the little informational signs about that's going? So this is like an overlook over like Thai Valley area, and um, I hadn't spent much time there. I've been there twice in the last year now, and um, Whenever I get in these places, and then of course the sign was talking about it, talked about how, you know, people came into the area and settled, and um, they were like either like there was Native Americans settled there, but then there was also you know the wagon trains would pass through there, and eventually the area does get settled um, by people. But it 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 made me start thinking about frontier. All right, the word frontier was coming to my mind while I was sitting there, and. And I was thinking, um, of course, I, yeah, I, you don't, nobody understands how my mind works, but, um, <laughs> or doesn't, uh, but like all of a sudden that sound or that song from Star Trek came in my head, you know, the beginning or the, the quote that the Captain Kirk says, space, the final frontier, right? Space, the final frontier. And it goes through um, the, you know, the voyage of the Star Trek Enterprise. And I was thinking about uh, how that the places that people were going to, to were called frontiers. They called we were going out on the frontier. And I was like, well, you know, once they got to the west coast, they ran out of land. And I know there's a lot of north and south in there too. But once they, once they got to the west coast, they had to stop. And there's this idea that there's, well, there's really not any more land as a frontier. 
And so some people look to space. Space is the final frontier. Or maybe they think the, the bottom of the ocean is the, the final frontier. And, and so these are places I think that there's a lot of room to explore. But the, actually, the idea of living, like having a, a, bit, a large population of people living on the bottom of the ocean or being able to just go explore that all the time or out in space and, you know, maybe, you know, people like it's another planet we could live on or can we make another space station big enough and you know all kinds of sci-fi type stuff that gets built around this final frontier and I felt like God just kind of said to me that the kingdom of God is the final frontier the kingdom of God is the final frontier in fact when you view yourself as entering into the kingdom of God and you apply it to everything in your life it's like you're stepping through a veil or a wall into a new place it's like where anything's possible. Um, and so that just happened to kind of stick in my head. You know, I was like, oh, the kingdom of God's the final frontier. And I'm sure I could like, like support that biblically. <laughs> I could probably support it just not even like saying, oh, I don't have to quote the Bible on this. It doesn't, doesn't say that the kingdom of God's the final frontier. But the kingdom of God is, is such a different concept that um, to me, I'm like, this, this really makes sense. That if I can apply the change that has happened to me when I receive Jesus and I receive his kingdom, it's what Jesus came for to establish his kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy. It's what he came for. Repent for the kingdom of hand, God is at hand. Right? That, that was, John the Baptist said that, and then when John the Baptist died and got put in prison and died, and then Jesus started saying the same thing. Um, the people that go to the frontier, the people that go to the frontier are called, I heard it, he said frontiersmen, I heard somebody say over here, Pilgrims, pioneers. That's the word I'm looking for. They're pioneers. All right? And so, um, I had listened to a message, like I said, fairly new idea, and the guy was talking about Jesus as a pioneer. There's about four different times in the Bible, in two different places, that the word pioneer is used. And Here's what a pioneer is. A pioneer is a person or group that originates or helps open a new line of thought or activity or a new method or technical development. I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. That sounds a lot like something that Jesus would want us to do is to have a new line of thought renew our minds, think differently. That's something I think the kingdom of God does. I can, I can agree with that. And then, like the, the next thing it says, and this is just definitions out of the dictionary, it says, it's one of the first to settle in a territory, right? Which is what I was thinking about these people. Um, in a book about Lewis and Clark, called Canoeing the Mountains, I think that's correct. They thought that when they got to the top of the, the Rocky Mountains, 
they took their canoes with them because when they got to the top, they thought that they were going to cross over their side and hop in a river and float to the ocean. And what they found out is when they got to the top and looked over their side, all they could see was mountains for as far as they could see. They didn't see a river or an ocean. They had no idea. And now they're in uncharted, really in uncharted territory, uncharted, uncharted plan. And so you imagine the difficult of like thinking you know where you're going, thinking you've got a plan, and you cross over and your eyes are open to what really is out there. Now, um, like they didn't have hel helicopters and airplanes and all those types of things that would make it easy to navigate. Navigation and getting around those areas, I mean, that's, that's we're talking months, right? So they had to change everything they were thinking. And pioneering, you know, involves like, okay, yeah, there was a lot of territory out there that to be, could be settled, but they just didn't even know if they were going to live, right? They didn't even know if they were going to live or make it. So pioneers are one of the first to settle in a territory. And now here's, here's what a pioneer does, because the, the definition carried with it the noun and the verb. Here's what a pioneer does. They open or prepare for others to follow. They open and they prepare while they're going, while they're making this way. They are making a way so that others can follow. All right? And then here's another thing that they do. Um, they, originate to, they originate something or they take part in the development of, right? So we've got somebody who's a pioneer in medicine. They're, they're making new ways. They're making new headways. And here, and so the next thing I want to say is, here's how we do it. Here's how we do it. The way that we become pioneers, because that's plural, right? Sometimes um, we say you are a pioneer, but technically within the kingdom, we are pioneers. The way, the way that we do it is we find the first who has done it and follow it doesn't make us any less pioneers. We find the first that has done it and we follow. We are part of that, um, the people who follow the person who prepared the way. And so as believers, we look to our pioneer. And so I want you to open your Bibles, if you have a chance, to Hebrews 2.10. And I'm going to read Hebrews 2.10, it's the New International Version. And it says, In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, that's us, it was fitting that God, the Father, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Who's the pioneer? Yes, this is that Sunday school question where the answer is right. Jesus. <laughs> Remember, if you answer Jesus in Sunday school, you're going to be right 99% of the time. Jesus. Jesus is our pioneer. Jesus is our pioneer of salvation. Perfected through what he suffered. It sounds kind of strange to me a little bit. Jesus needed to be perfected through his suffering? He had to do it as a man? This is what he pioneered. 
It's like, I'm convinced today, maybe even a little bit more than yesterday, that Jesus was fully man and fully God, and he denied his right to be God through this process. Because he's a pioneer. Because he's the first one. And he had to create a way to follow that we could actually do. Now we know it's all in Christ. I know you're going to want me to qualify that all the time. But, but we have the ability to follow. The way has been made. We look to our pioneer. So your translation may say this. It may say, perfect leader. It may say founder. It may say author. It may say captain. It may say originator. It may say prince. It may say source or prince leader. All of these things in the different translations point back to Jesus as the first. He was the first the Greek word used there is archaigo. Archaigo. I can probably say it better, but not this morning. And that means a person who is the originator of or founder of a movement and continues as the leader. He continues as a leader. So Jesus was the first leader. He was the first, and this, this is part of the definition in the Bible, the Greek. He's the first leader and he's the first in a long procession. He's the first in a long procession. So, if we have a pioneer, and they're first in the long procession, it means, right, there are more pioneers that follow. There's not more saviors. We know that Jesus is the one. He is the way. But there's, there's more to become to, to like help make this way, to help follow. And here's how it was presented to me, is that as the first pioneer, he was causing something to happen. He was, the word he used was causal. Jesus, as our first pioneer, was causal. He caused something to happen. He heads out into the world as one to cause. And so if, if he's that and we follow, we're to be causal too. Now, look at how it ended up for Jesus to be causal. It didn't go so great. <laughs> I mean, we know it's great, but it didn't appear to go so great. How does that sound? Look at how it turned out for his disciples to be causal. Like, they had to pioneer into something that led them to actual death. And I'm not saying, and we know that still happens today. But I think that the ground they have ta taken for us opens up the possibility for us to take different type of ground where it's not about just us getting killed, it's about us being willing to lay down our life and recognize I'm in the kingdom of God. I'm in a new territory. I'm out on the frontier. And the kingdom of God needs to be established where I'm at, no matter where I'm at. Like, it's not like I'm taking control of the area or something like that. But it's like, what's inside of me affects what's outside of me. See, Jesus' work 
as a pioneer is fin- finished, but <laughs> it, not, not, all, not everything is as it should be yet. Let's, in, uh, I don't forgot to put my reference down here, but in, in Hebrews 2, we're going to go back to Hebrews 2, 5 through 9. I'm going to read this, and some of it's just so that you get a little more of the context of it. It says, It is not to angels that he subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified, like the writer saying, well, someone wrote this. (laughs) Like, how would that go if I came up and said, we're going to read something that someone said. Someone has testified, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? a son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. Do you get that? So, when Jesus made a way for us, His work was finished, but ours wasn't. It says that God left... So he's talking about us here. What is, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? We're a little lower than the angels, which means Jesus became a little lower than the angels and became our way, right? He, he became a little lower than the angels. We're a little bit lower than the angels. It's meaning like you would think he would have used the angels because they have all this supernatural power and they're up, up in heaven and they have this different perspective. Why didn't he use angels? No, he used things a little lower than the angels, and he put everything subject to them in the world, yet not everything is subjected to us. It's not about necessarily being in charge. I'm just trying to say there's still work to be done. Like, everything is able to be subjected to us. How about that? Everything is possible to be subjected to us for the cause of Christ. For the cause of Christ. Everything. It's, our, it's like he said, I'm going to make myself... This is going to really confound the wise. It's going to really confound the works of the enemy. He's, not, he's going to be busy trying to deal with this. It's going to mess him up. That Okay, I, like the enemy didn't see this coming. I don't think the enemy knew this plan. That I'm going to take non-spiritual, not second heaven or third heaven type beings, and I'm going to, the people who don't have all the abilities of the angels, and I'm going to make everything subject to them, to people who disregard the very God in heaven. I'm going to do that. I'm going to give them that authority. I'm going to send my, he's going to send a son down to become like them. This is crazy. But we do see Jesus, who is made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Right? He did something for us that we don't have to be afraid of. We don't have to be afraid of death. He tasted it. He didn't even have to. He Listen, why didn't Jesus, and I don't know if this is the right question or not, why didn't he just take care of everything back then? 
Why did he make it? Why didn't he just make everything okay? And it's all good. Why isn't it just all good? I don't know if I know the real answer to that or not. But one thing that I believe that God wants to do is to give people to to give people a choice to love him. I think like he's wanting to give everyone a choice cuz I don't know what his what how it would have all worked out if Jesus would have taken care of everything right then. I'm not sure where I would be right now if Jesus would have just taken care of everything back then. I'm not sure where I would be. I'm not sure where that would work out. And the truth is, is we know that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess the lordship of Jesus because that's just the way it works when he shows up in a room. I mean, if he walked in the room right now, none of us would be able to stay standing. It's just, it's, it's not a demanding thing. It's just the way it is. I don't even know if I have a, a good example for that. But what I am convinced is that he would rather choose than have that moment that is going to really crush some people. It's really going to crush some people. <laughs> this kind of came to me, you're going to laugh, of course, it had something to do with my dog. <laughs> um, my dog and I, and now that we have a few more dogs in the house, they like to be part of the routine too. Um, I get up in the morning, I go feed the dogs, I turn the coffee on. I get my little spot ready where I'm going to sit and read because I love to do that. It's my good morning routine for me. And then, and, oh, I put a blanket out, a little blankie. And, I, and then um, once the dogs get all done, um, I have the, you know, it's the dog's blanket or whatever. And so I sit on the couch and I flip the blanket over my lap and I, then I open it up and I go, and she hops up and snuggles up right next to me. I feel so loved. <laughs> Oh, you know, a little puppy. Oh, she's so soft. And, you know, she's my buddy. She chose me. She's really excited. We had a little problem a couple mornings ago. Somebody left a blanket out in the chair in the other room. Okay. And so after sitting there for just a couple minutes with me, she like slowly stretches out and gets off where I'm at, and she leaves, and I thought, well, maybe she has to go outside. And she's gone for a little bit. Where is she? This is our time. Okay? I need you. This is our time. This is our snuggle time, our puppy dog, you know? She's two years old, but she's still a little bit of a puppy. I walk into the living room, and there she is on the blanket that's on the other chair. I've been betrayed. <laughs> you know what I did? I almost walked back to my thing and said, all right, I got an idea. I said, get down. I grabbed that blanket and I put it someplace else. For some reason, she wants to be on a blanket. It is the strangest thing. I put the blanket somewhere where she can get to, and I walked in my room, sat down, or into the other room, sat down. Guess who came and hung out with me? See, I took away her choice. I took away her choice, and I forced her to be in a place 
that she kind of wanted to be, but apparently she didn't really want to be that morning. (laughs) I took away her choice, and I forced her to love me. (laughs) That's right. Forced puppy love. Forced puppy love. And I didn't care. I did not feel one bit guilty about it at all. Didn't feel one bit guilty at all. That's being, like, causal (laughs) in a very self-centered way. And I just don't think God's that self-centered. I think He's very confident in who He is and what He is. But I think He really wants people to choose Him and see Him for who He really is. And I was also thinking about this. God wants everybody to have a good life, even those who aren't choosing Him, because there's still other good options. There was a good option, and my dog made that choice. Like, I think he's broken-hearted when people don't choose him. I think that's a broken-heartedness to him. But I also think that there is a scary thing to me that God's going to let me have a good life and be okay and make it through this life without choosing him. God causes it to rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And I used to think that was like, bad, rain was bad, but no, it, it was, it's a good thing. We need rain, right? As much as I don't like it all the time when it's here. God causes it to to rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And there's just this crazy thought that God wants people, even the people we don't like, that we don't agree with, that we're upset with right now. He wants them to have a good life. And I don't even know if I want that. (laughs) i just be honest. There's days where I think of those people and I'm like, I don't care if they have a good life or not. No. Jesus is our a pioneer. And pioneers go out into the frontier and they settle lands that haven't been settled yet. And I don't know about you, but I certainly notice a lot of unsettledness out there. We think we're going to occupy, we think we're going to take over, think we're going to rule and reign. What about just walking into a room and bringing settledness to it? How come when that guy walks in, we get peace? What's going on? How come, you know, that happens. It just means that we, we've got to be in unsettled places sometimes. We have to be able to be out in unsettled places. And as pioneers, we start looking for that. And as Jesus says, our, you know, as, as our head pioneer, he's, he's like, hey, have you thought about checking over here? I don't like it over there. You're right. I don't like it over there. But it's okay. I'm sending you over there. And you have the kingdom of God inside of you. Well, well okay, what if I bring peace to it and these people don't follow you, God? I'm, I'm okay. I know how to handle that. Thank you for joining us today. For more information about Awakened Church, please visit our website, awakenmac.com. That's A-W-A-K-E-N-M-A-C dot C-O-M.